drink and dance all night Now it's talk with diapers and pacifiers And our pants are feeling tight Welcome back to another week of bottle service. I've got such a fun one for you this week. One of my favorite content creators like in the mom space, Caitlin Murray, aka big time adulting is in the house today. Unless you've been living under a rock, like you've probably seen her videos. If you follow me on Big Kid Problems, like you've definitely seen her stuff because I repost her all the time. Um, She is known for her very honest and very relatable takes on motherhood that have garnered her millions of views and a huge following on Instagram and TikTok. I know her videos have gotten me through it some days. Like she says all the things I think many of us think think but are too afraid to say out loud when it comes to the highs and lows of the job that is being a 24-7 mom. I just love her sense of humor and knew she would be such a fun person to bring on to speak just honestly and openly about all things motherhood and maybe even give us rookie moms some advice from a seasoned vet. So without further ado, let's welcome Caitlin Murray of Big Time Adulting to the show. Welcome. Hi, thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you. I have been obsessed with your content. I think I even, if anybody, for people here who follow Big Kid Problems, like I repost you all the time on stories. Like your content cracks me up. It's so relatable and just, it's great. I love it. What what made you start big time adulting? Was this something that you started in motherhood or before? Thanks. Um, yeah, I, um, started it during motherhood pretty far into not, I mean, far, I I guess I'm not even that far in as far as far goes now. My, my (laughs) oldest is about to turn 10 and my middle is about to turn eight. And then my little guy is four. And I started it when I was pregnant with my third. Um, so about four years ago, and I actually started it because my oldest child had been in treatment for leukemia. Um, he was diagnosed when he was three years old and he had over three years of treatment for leukemia. And I had been writing about that experience to our family and friends in, in like email form. And it was sort of, you know, anecdotal and updates about our story and our family and what was going on. And about a year of into sending those emails about what was going on with us, I decided to compile them into like a blog space, like a good old fashioned blog, um, just to have like a place to keep everything I was writing in one space and, and organized that I could go back to and read um, later when I wanted to remember or remember to forget uh, um, all that was going on at that time. And the experience of writing all about what was going on with him was just incredibly like therapeutic to me. I found it really cathartic to just share what was on my mind about what was going on and to take little opportunities to write something funny about our day and remember, you know, there was laughter in that and, and stuff to, um, feel joyful about certainly along the way. And eventually somebody had asked me if I would interested in writing a book. And then there was like a a period of time where someone showed it to a publisher and they were like, well, this is fine, but she has no following. So we're not going to publish a book for somebody who has, doesn't have anyone to sell it to, 
you know? So, cause that's the way the publishing world really works these days. And I was like, I'll start an Instagram page and just see what happens. And so that's really how this was all born. Um, and my page has never been about really my son's cancer journey. I touch on that sometimes and, and it has obviously affected me in, in every way as a parent. Um, but it's really just about the everyday life, real life struggles of motherhood and also the humor in it. So that's, that's where it all began. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I didn't realize that's was kind of the origin story because like, I wouldn't think of like going through something that hard with how funny your shit is. Like it <laughs> is really funny. So I love that you're able to find humor in some of the the harder, tougher things. I mean, that's kind of like what I try to do too. Like I, I've been trying to make jokes about like all the shit that goes haywire with adulting in general too. Yeah. It sounds really trite, but a lot of the times if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Right. So it's like, you can pick one of those paths and, um, laughter always feels a little better. Although sometimes it feels really good to cry too. So, but, um, true. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's the, the stuff that happens with little kids on a day-to-day basis, babies, toddlers, whatever, the newborn phase. I was writing a lot of, started this page when I was in the newborn phase with my with my youngest. And I fucking hate that time of life. It's just misery to me, newborns um, and the exhaustion and all of it. And uh, there was, it was, it was hard, you know, it's all really hard, but there's also a lot of like, moments to make fun of yourself and your kids within that difficulty. Totally. And, and there's something to be said. I mean, clearly like your page is such a success, um, that it's not an, a, a single experience, like experience. I feel like a lot of people, we, when we're going through hard times and like going through the shit, especially with motherhood, um, it, I have found that it has helped me like push through when I know like, Oh, there is a, we're all going through it. You know, like there's so many other women out there that are going through exactly what I'm going through. Cause that was like one of the shocking things. I think I am in, I'm in that phase right now. I am in baby toddlerhood, um, trenches. And, um, I I feel like there were so many times, especially in the early, early, early stages where I was like, am I, is this only happening to me? Am I, am I, should I, should I feel bad that I feel so resentful or, you know, whatever the like negative emotion is. And, um, I think that's kind of what's cool about the internet at this time, um, to kind of feel connection through some of that hard stuff that we all go through. Yeah, totally. I think that probably the greatest, um, feeling that I've had since starting all of this is just like the validation, the personal validation that so many people really did resonate with, you know, the things that I talk about every day. Um, and not knowing like for sure how it would land or how it would come across to other people, if it was going to sound, you know, one way, whatever, like there are obviously going to be trolls around the internet. Um, it is what it is. Uh, but you know, I think it was kind of like given what I had been through already with my son and having, um, endured so much as a young mom with really little kids kids, I was like, I, I can say whatever the fuck I want here about how I feel about this motherhood experience. Cause you know, I knew I was a good mom and I knew, um, I could handle a lot and I knew what I had been through and I knew how grateful I was for my kids and all, 
all that. And I, I hate that like disclaimer that people often put in, ter- in front of having a, a complaint or, you know, a real feeling about the difficulties of motherhood that they have to feel like they have to say, but I love, I, I love my kids so much, but I'm so grateful for my kids. But, but it's like every mom is grateful for and loves their kid to the end of the earth, right? We would all do anything for our kids. It's very normal and real to have these kinds of feelings too. Yeah. Well, that's exactly why I wanted to bring you on today because I feel like I I really appreciate your unfiltered approach to this conversation. And I think my audience is going to love this too. And um, I know you mentioned like already you um, had a hard time in the early stages, like baby toddlerhood. This audience, especially like we're kind of in the like first year out of of motherhood. Um, I'd love to hear about early parenting for you. Like what was what were some of the surprises? Like, what were some of the things you're like, wait, nobody told me this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I could just shiver right now thinking about being in the newborn phase again. <laughs> oh, God. It was so bad. Um, you know, I think that was just like the the main biggest first surprise that I was like, I had this thought in my mind that I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to love this. I am going to be so happy when this baby arrives and we're just going to be like cozy and restful and I'll watch shows that I like. And I was like, holy shit, I haven't had a time to get through one fucking episode of anything that I've wanted to watch. This baby is nonstop. They're feeding their club are feeding. They're not sleeping at night. My nipples are bleeding. I'm exhausted. I don't know when I'm ever going to feel like myself again. That was like this whole like really scary feeling of like, wow, this is not how I thought I would feel at all when I had my first baby. And um, it was shocking. I think that like nobody really, you go into the, when you're in the hospital and stuff and they talk, they give you this like video video of like, don't shake the baby and stuff when you're leaving the video. That also felt really extreme, right? Like that was like an extreme end of an emotional like feeling that you could have. Um, But they miss all of this stuff that's like all of us in the middle that like, hopefully, you know, don't get to that point where you're completely stretched thin or having, you know, like postpartum psychosis and massive depression, things like that. But there's just a really also normal average amount of anxiety and depression and blues that happen to many women um, right after they give birth. So that just wasn't really touched on that it was like, hey, by the way, this is super normal. This is like super common for everyone to kind of feel this way right after you have a baby. And, And no one really had said that to me. Yeah, you're so right about the extreme thing. Like I remember going into um appointments, you know, even at our pediatrician's office and getting like a checklist of like hey, do you want to hurt yourself like on a scale of 1 to 5? Yeah. And you're like, "No." So I guess I'm okay. And then um, you know, but like you're right. I think I think my hypothesis is that most of us are going to have some level of like fuck yeah. during this during this time because it is. It's just like your whole life is upended. You have this really high stressor. Like I have to keep this kid alive, you know, like that is unlike anything, any job I've ever had in the world where like I could screw up. I can't screw this up, <laughs> you know? Um, 
I just think it's like a, a stressful, a really stressful time. Your like whole life is kind of shaking out in this new way. And it's a lot to go through for anyone. So I love that you said that, like, just because you're not going through an extreme doesn't mean like, you know, you're, you're not still going through it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, not only can you not mess it up. I mean, there are like, to an extent, we all mess up all the time a little bit right? But you can't quit and you can't take a vacation and you can't just take a day off or even like an hour or two off at any given moment when you need to, you know, it's like, not like I'm going to put in for this personal time through HR right now. You know, I'm like, there's no fucking HR around here. I wish I could get some HR up in here to (laughs) have some complaints I'd like to place about the workplace here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really hard. It was, and then, you know, I think that that initial shock, I had a C-section my first time around too. And I I was very, very shocked by like the pain, the recovery of that and how difficult Mm. the recovery process was for me. Um, I also really did not want to have a C-section. That was like, kind of like, I hope I'm able to, you know, have a natural birth, which in retrospect, I'm like, I wish I didn't have any feelings about that one way or another because there are some benefits to having a C-section, but, um, yeah, I guess the first time around, it was such a shock that I felt better the second time because all of those things that I was not aware of that I would feel didn't come as such a surprise to me and that Mm. my life had already been completely turned upside down. I mean, once you have one kid, there's no going back to your pre-kid life, right? So it's like already chaos. You're already in it. And then like adding one more into it was just like a little bit adding to the chaos, but it wasn't such a shock. So I wanted, I wanted to ask you about that because similar, similar to you, I also had a C-section, didn't want a C-section, had it rocked me, um, you know, like in my early uh, recovery days. Um, especially cause I know you mentioned you were having kind of like this hard transition, those, those early days of your first, how was it like, were you scared to get pregnant again? Like I I'm in a situation now where like, my husband and I, we've already like, we've had our timeline in place of when we were going to start trying for number two mm-hmm. and I'm getting pretty close mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh shit. I don't, I really don't want to go through all that again, but I want a second baby. I'm just like terrified of all of that. Like how, how did you kind of go through that? Like what, what were some of the things that helped you go through? I think that exact, I felt exactly what you're saying. Like, I think I was, you know, thinking I would probably have my kids around two years apart. And, um, I knew I wanted more kids. I was like, but I wanted, really didn't want anything to do with the experience of pregnancy, birth, newborn days, any of that, like ever again. (laughs) And I did it two more times, but, um, (laughs) but I think it was just like this other part, like instinctually maybe that I just knew that what would come from it eventually would the joy and the benefits of growing my family would outweigh the pain and difficulty of going through those early days of pregnancy, like, you know, late pregnancy, newborn, toddler. (laughs) Again, I mean, when we went for our third, I was like, oh my God, 
and we had, my son was still in treatment for, for cancer at that time too, but I always wanted three kids. I was just like in my mind for a long time. I always wanted three and you know, you never know what's going to happen if you're going to be able to get pregnant again, whatever. And I was like, I'm just, we're going to roll the dice and see what happens. We'll try, you know, if we try and it doesn't work out fine, two was the number. And, um, if it does, like we're doing this and we both will understand that we would be in the mud for the next at least three years you know like i feel like the three-year marks things start to change a little bit like it gets um more manageable to go places there's like a little bit better direction following going on for the most part i mean my third was not actually like that it's more kind of now is getting a, a lot easier he's four and a half and it's just much better but Anyway, yeah, I'm rambling about this, but it's it's one of those things that I think that like if you know that you want it, then you just do it. Yeah, okay. I mean, I definitely have that in me. Like it is a weird like instinctual thing. Like whenever my husband and I are talking about the future, I'm always like our kids, our kids. Like it's yeah. Like it's almost as if it's already in the works. Yeah, just going to have to be in the shit for a minute. Yeah. This holiday season, give yourself the gift of morning recovery from more labs. If you want to celebrate and kick back with a few cocktails, but don't want to feel like crap the next day when your baby is screaming their little heads off, then morning recovery is for you. They help speed up the breakdown of alcohol-induced toxins. All you have to do is drink one little bottle of morning recovery the night you're drinking and let their proprietary blend of electrolytes and vitamins rehydrate and restore lost nutrients so you can wake up ready to take on the day. Let me tell you, my pantry is stocked with morning recovery. I do not like drinking without them. I just can't afford it with a toddler these days. So right now I have a little discount code for you so you can stock up too. Right now, you can get 20% off and support this show at the same time when you use code BIGKID at checkout. 20% off. Like, that is a sweet deal, guys. So don't let rough mornings after drinking dampen the next day. Drink smarter with morning recovery at morelabs.com slash BIGKID. And again, use code BIGKID for 20% off your orders. Cheers. I was going to ask you. I know you mentioned, okay, you said around three is when things start to get easier. Like, I was going to ask you... um, what you thought when you thought like motherhood started to get a little bit more manageable. Yeah. I would say that's like, well, first of all, it's more, more, I really feel like it's more manageable every day. You know, like every day my kids got, have gotten a little bit older. It's gotten a little bit easier. Um, I've consistently felt that way. And um, I, I always kind of like with my, my first, and you know when it's really good is when they go to fucking school. <laughs> uh, I always found that like one can dream. <laughs> I was a, a, a part-time working mom by the time I had my second kid. Um, and those days that my oldest was able to go to a school program, he was two. So he was in like a twos thing, right? And it was only even for a couple of hours in the morning that he would be gone. And I was like, this is such a relief just to have this time, like, a, you know, these couple hours to myself to just be. A, and I actually had a, another baby, but that it's what's really weird is that when you have your second kid, you're like, wow, one baby feels so easy. The two of them is what's hard, right? Or the toddler is what's hard. But 
it, it feels easier than the first time around. It's all relative. Things are crazy. But I do think three years old is a good like mental benchmark because typically kids are going to some kind of a school situation by then. They're talking a little bit more, you know, they're making some sense in their words a little bit, mm. you know, hopefully. And um, they can kind of say we're leaving, you know, like you don't have to pick them up everywhere you go all of the time, drag physically, pick them up, drag them with you everywhere. It's, I don't know, the more independence yeah. they get, the better. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. My husband and I were talking yesterday because I feel like, I feel like when we were still pregnant, like we got advice from friends and we were talking about it yesterday. We're like, these people lied to us. <laughs> he said like the, the, the position between one and two was like the best. Yeah. Uh, because like they're they're walking around they're so cute they're sweet but they're not like t full blown toddlers yet and then like two to three was really hard and we were just like I'm pretty sure we're in the hard part right now <laughs> because he's a full blown toddler like wants to run wants to get into everything but he can't communicate so he gets super frustrated mm -hmm. and it's just like and they're just yeah, like not as steady like I actually think that's the worst time. I think up until one like between 6 months and one is kind of a nice time like between like the time they start really sleeping through the night and there's like a little bit of consistency going on in your life again and the time before that they can walk is kind of a nice little break. <laughs> yes. Right. You're like okay, for sure. Sit here and eat your fucking crackers and smile like you do. And like they're great. And they'll like eat anything you give them. They're not fussy really. They're very like schedule oriented. It's great, uh, sort of, but they're also incredibly boring. Um and then they start walking <laughs> around and they're like 16 months, 18 months getting into everything. And you're just like, oh my God, I just want to sit down and stop following you everywhere, you know, uh, make yeah. making sure you're alive all the time. But yeah, that is, I think that the hardest part is because like, they still don't have like any common sense. Like yeah. my son will just like literally look for the most dangerous thing around and like gravitate toward it. So yeah, looking yeah. forward to when he doesn't do that. Um, I want to pivot for a second because I feel like one thing I love about you is how you just like kind of talk about all the like bullshit um, expectations and stuff that are on moms. And I'd love to hear like maybe some things that just like really piss you off, like any like lies about motherhood or like, I don't know, maybe some of like the worst parenting advice you've ever heard, like anything like that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that really, like, burns my eardrums is, like, when when anyone says enjoy every minute, you know, and, like, it all goes by so fast, enjoy all this, uh, enjoy it all, and, um, you know, they're just, they're only this little once, and, yeah, I, I get it, I know, you know, but it's not all enjoyable, and I think that there's this misconception or this, like, um, you know, idea that's been tried to like drilled into the minds of women and mothers that this is all supposed to be like joyful and simultaneously um, easy for us. Because if something's, you know, meant to be so joyful and wonderful all the time, how is that also difficult? You know, that's like, that doesn't match. Those two narratives don't match. So I really feel like 
women have been made to believe that it is going to be joyful and magical and wonderful um, so that they feel like it should be easy for them and that we shouldn't be needing as much help or support or we shouldn't complain about any of what we've been asked to take on in society um, as women and mothers and uh, the invisible labor and work that we do in the home and for our families and children. And um, that's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. And then you're kind of made to feel guilty if like you don't feel that way. Guilty for a failure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, I should Mm. be able to do this or I should do more. Mm -hmm. It's so funny though, because I catch myself even saying those things like, like, cause I have, I have, you know, women who especially follow this podcast through pregnancy and like, you know, they let me know when their baby's born, they send me pictures. Like I love it. And I'm always like, Oh my God, enjoy this time. It goes so (laughs) fast. It's like, it's like the most, it's what everybody says. And, um, it's so because it is true there is truth to it like but you're right I mean it's such a it that is I think one of the biggest shock things that came for me is just the juxtaposition of the feelings so you're like oh my god I, I I've never been more in love and also like holy shit this is the hardest thing I've ever done and you have this like mix of emotions going on all the time it's like a roller coaster yeah it's a total roller coaster all the time And I think that's like the message that gets missed more often than not. And I think, you know, it's like one of those things where even though we know it now and people are talking about that now more openly and, 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 you know, being truthful about the hardships of motherhood, that kind of stuff, it's still just the beginning of, I would say, sort of the movement towards um, equitable parenting. Um, because, you know, there are really plenty of statistics out there that will tell you that two thirds of women are the breadwinner in their home and they're still taking on well over the majority of the tasks when it comes to the children and, um, the caretaking of them and their doctor's appointments and their play dates and their birthday parties and all of that shit that women just absorb. Um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not 1950 anymore. You know, the women are out working and working as much as men. So, yeah, I, that term equitable parenting, like love it. Um, is there anything like you do or try to do to like even the scales? Cause I mean, you're so right. Like I, all the time, I'm just like, wow, this is so unbalanced. And, and it's a lot of it isn't the invisible stuff, like the like invisible load of motherhood. And I'm, I'm always interested, like, how do we balance these scales? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think that's like up for each family to decide what's like right for them, you know, because everybody's home circumstances are different. I think like in my house, for instance, for most of my life as a mom, I had been the stay at home parent who was in charge of all of that stuff for my kids. And my husband is not physically here in the house. He works his ass off. He works really long hours. I respect the hell out of his role in our family. And sometimes it's not so much about what can I take off of my plate to put on his plate. 
but it's more about the overall acknowledgement and respect for what women are doing in the home so that I like go back to this so that people understand that it is not just easy and joyful all the time. Like this is a lot of work and it's important work and nobody actually really puts a lot of value on it. Otherwise, you know, we would get better paid maternity leave and we would, you know, have more affordable childcare situations to help our lot, like subsidized by the government type thing, because everybody knows like private childcare is very expensive. So yeah, I think it's like you got to do what's right for your family and in, in, in whatever shakes out in your life. Certainly if you're a full-time working mom and, and bringing in, you know, your job is important important to your family, then it's like horseshit if you're taking on way more than your your partner in the roles of caretaking for the children. Uh, something you said just like, oh, struck a chord is um, just like that people don't, that the value isn't there for like all the work that you're doing. And that's like something that I've, I've just like mold over. It's just like so annoying that like, I feel like this is the hardest job I've ever had. I've had some other jobs that were like, uh, you know, a lot more visible and I got a lot more acclaim for. And like, this is 10 times harder than any of that shit. And it's not paid and no one gives a shit. You're just expected to. And then like, sometimes like when my husband does some of the things, like he's like, like even my friends are like, wow, you have such an amazing husband. Like he is so hands-on. Like you are so lucky. I'm like, no one's saying this shit to him. Yeah. You know, like it's just uh, it's just so annoying. Yeah. But um, I was interested because I know I know, we, you know, we all we all feel burnout and we all do care have this like big motherhood load that we all carry. Um, Is there anything that you do? Because I know you posted a few videos about this. Like, is there anything that you like to do or anything that's helpful for you in these moments of like absolute burnout? Yeah, I mean, I think when we're really, truly burnt out like you need rest you know and and it's so hard because people like to talk about like that term self-care and take care of yourself um and for mothers of young children when you're at home with them there's just it's just so hard to even find that like unless you have you know uh, a lot of help with your kids or like built-in support system of like you know, grandparents or extended family members who are there to help you and take over and step in, it can be impossible for, for moms to find time to do anything for themselves. And in some ways, I think realistically, which I wish this was not the case, but I do feel like realistically, sometimes it's like the season of life that just is relentless for a little while. And there will come a time when your kids go to school um, and you'll have a minute to breathe, or maybe you're going to be working in a, an office job or something and you, it won't really feel like you have a minute to breathe, but you won't be like, have a child climbing on you while you're trying to go to the bathroom at the same time. You know, it's like just that physical autonomy, not to have somebody physically attached to you feels so freeing at times. Right. But I, I think the things that you can do for yourself are pretty obvious. Like if you, um, 
have the ability to do that, you know, get out to get exercise, you know, go for a walk. I would like always do a kitchen dance party when I felt like I was going to explode because I was like, I got to like turn my rage into something like I need to an outlet for this. And I would put on a song that I liked and dance with my kids or whatever. Um, when they were little and we were all trapped in the house all the time together and I couldn't get out or go anywhere. Um, but yeah, I think that there's also just sometimes there's solace in knowing that this is like just a shitty time of life and that you just have to get through it and that you will get through it, but you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And you might not really feel like you have all that much time for yourself and you might feel stressed out and, and stretched thinned and burned out for a while, but you're not alone. You're very much normal to feel that way. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. I love a good kitchen par- party, uh, dance party. It's the best. Yeah. I mean like other things, even uh, like on the weekends or whatever, my husband and I would like make a, make a point to have like a nice meal at home together after the kids would go to bed, you know, and not just like turn on a TV and zone out. Like it just to have a date inside the house, even if you can't get out or whatever that you're there making some time, making something a little nicer than usual for yourself for, you know, Mm. a treat, a treat. Yeah. This date night. I mean, I'm, we're so guilty right now of just like, we put the kid to bed and we're like, we are so tired that we're just going to throw Netflix on. We're in a deep suits hole right now. We're just going (laughs) to, bring on the next one and we're just going to zone out and watch. But I, I, that is, that is super important. I know that's something I can get better at. Um, I wanted to, I I saw one of your videos and I was laughing and then I was like, wait, I need to ask you about this. Um, you were talking about, uh, you know, like some trip you're on with your kids and you, you reached for the, Oh shit towel. And you're like that. Everybody knows what an Oh shit towel is. If you don't, you're a rookie. Um, and I feel like this podcast is the listeners were all a bunch of rookies. And I was like, do you have any other like experienced mom tips, hacks you could share with us? Yeah. I mean, that's a road trip thing. I mean, my kids were pukers, my car, car pukers. So that's the worst. (laughs) And it's just, you know, gets in everything. It's in the little buckles and the little crevices in their little car seat. And you're like, like, oh my God. Um, but yeah, uh, trash bags, paper towels and towel, like, and change of clothes for every car ride. Obviously a gallon of water is also often really helpful. If some gas stations have hoses at them that we've found along our journeys of kid puking. And I was like, oh, gas stations have hoses. This is great. Um, to like physical, just like hose off the whole car seat and then you can throw the towel down on it or whatever. Um, (laughs) so that you can buckle them back in until you get to where you're going. Um, I don't know what else other things. I mean, there are obvious ones like snacks, airplanes, snacks, 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 um, lollipops are great. Like they're all kinds of good, like not good, but whatever, like natural lollipops these days, same for car rides. Anything you can use to bribe kids when you're traveling is great, I would say. Little toys that they've never yeah. seen before. Brand new things. I wanted to ask you, like, uh, any 
I know we're starting to wrap up here. And is there any like some good parenting advice that you've heard or maybe your favorite piece of parenting advice, anything that you want to pass on to us, us rookies out here? (laughs) Well, as rookies, I think the best thing that you can remember is that your instinct and what you feel is always the best for your kid. I would say maybe that's something that people second guess themselves on or look to outside sources and kind of peek around and see what other people are doing. Um, or, you know, maybe don't have as much confidence in what they're thinking is right and have to double check it or whatever. Um, I think that at the end of the day, we all know that the mom knows their kid better than anyone out there. And there's no set of rules and there's no formula to yield a certain result. Um, every kid is totally different. I can say that from experience, like each of my kids I've had to parent like very differently to get the same types of results. They just require different tones of voices or one wants more affection or one needs like, you know, firm boundaries, that kind of thing. So, um, I, I would just say, trust your gut, trust your instinct is, is what I would tell any new mom that you don't be afraid to stand strong in what you think is the best thing to do for your kid. Mm, I love that. I think that's very good advice. Um, Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell us like where we can find more from you. Do you have any exciting projects coming up? Pimp yourself out. Okay. Um, well you can find me on Instagram at big time adulting. I also have a podcast called big time adulting. I do also have a TikTok page called big time adulting. So we're all keeping it with the, <laughs> the theme there. Um, and then I do have a, a magazine coming out in a, about two weeks called soul snacks, which, uh, is supposed to be, should be like a fun thing for moms to check out, like a, you know, an intimacy section, a workout section, a reflection section, a playlist. Cause everybody always ask me for my playlist because I'm always dancing around my kitchen uh so yeah that's it oh I love that okay I'm gonna link all of that in show notes for everybody find thank you so much for being on and guys thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time bye